Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here's your host, Jim Manfredonia. And a very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is indeed, I say it and I mean it sincerely, a great joy to be here with you as we come together, and the Lord allows us this time together every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday live at 4 o'clock on our domestic church media network of stations and all of our platforms as I come to you live. When I come to you live... Yeah, we uh, are on everything that we have available. Of course, our radio stations, all of our um, audio platforms, our streaming audio from our website, on our free mobile app, on our or any Amazon Echo or Google Home device. And, of course, then we also come to you live video. You can watch the program from our beautiful main studio here at the Sheen Center. Uh, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Domestic Church Media, also on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Domestic Church Media, and on our homepage, we stream live video at uh, domesticchurchmedia.org. So all these ways you can listen and watch, and I'm happy you take some time out of your day and out of the busyness of your day on this July 8th, 2020. Um, today is Wednesday, and a few things, a couple things, actually. You know, I sometimes go to Spirit Daily, which I, I think spiritdaily.com is a, a good, solid Catholic website. Most of the time they give you uh, very, very good, solid, authentic links to other stories regarding our faith. Every now and then a clinker finds its way in there, but uh, most of the time it's very reliable. So. Anyway, I go on there and I peruse a little bit and see, and I found something today that I thought would be of interest. There was an article in there, because we find ourselves in the situation right now with the pandemic. Uh, It has eased up a little bit because public masses are once again being uh, said. But there was an article on the what they said, the terrible effects of Eucharistic deprivation being away from the reception of the Eucharist and and some of the effects of that. So I want to share some of that with you. And then I thought we would go back. I started it last week or two weeks ago. Um, The beautiful uh, 1981 apostolic exhortation from St. Pope John Paul II, Meriaris Consortio, on the family. And uh, this is 30... uh, I don't even know what year it is. (laughs) 29 years ago. Um, that Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul, gave it to us. But uh, so much of what he wrote in here is so relevant today, and I want to share some of them. Kind of skipping around, I'm not going in the order in which it is written, but just skipping around today, sharing with you from that particular document, uh, the Holy Father titled it the fourth section, Sharing in the Life and Mission of the Church, meaning the family. So we'll get to that uh, as well. 
We're going to pray first, though, my brothers and sisters. So as always, I invite you, wherever you are listening, however you're listening or watching, to uh, open up your heart, reach out to one another in uh, this uh, wonderful medium or these various wonderful media that uh, Almighty God allows us to use to proclaim the Word of God and to come together from across these many miles, literally going around the world, that no virus and no uh, governor mandate can uh, prevent us from doing this yet. <laughs> I laugh, but you know, we're, as I said, we get to a certain point this year in this country that we're going to go in one direction or another and uh, go in the wrong direction. Who knows uh, what kind of restrictions they'll put on Catholic media. But anyway, let's just take it a day at a time. We thank God today the Supreme Court upheld or supported the uh, Little Sisters of the Poor uh, in their uh, case uh, against Obamacare, which is great. So we thank God for that. I know the president was happy about that as well. Uh, And as are the Little Sisters rejoicing today, so we rejoice with them uh, in that decision from the Supreme Court. I think it was a 7-2 to decision, which was very nice. and for those of you who are my age, you know, this has nothing to do with our church and our faith. But, but you know, we, we the Lord said we, we need to be in the world, not of it, but in it. And so in our world and how we grew up, you know, when I was growing up uh, and uh, many of you growing up, you remember that Sunday night in February of 1964 watching the Ed Sullivan Show, when he introduced the Beatles to this uh, country. And uh, the reason I say that and bring that up is because today, July 8th, I just read and I didn't realize, today is the 80th birthday of Ringo. Ringo turns 80 today. Um, but I have to say this, you know, in looking at, uh, just reading a little bit about, about uh, Ringo, never obviously never met Ringo. Um, I don't know what his faith is and what his belief system is, but he uh, he's a great-grandfather already. Uh, he's been married to the same woman for over 40 years. Um, he's This is his second wife, but they've been married. And, and they, Anyway, you know, in whatever way, you know, the, there's a lot of negativity regarding what the Beatles did to the culture. They were young. They were being led, in, you know, by so many different people at the time, but um, if you listen to their music today compared to what's out there today, it's pretty harmless. Anyway, happy birthday, Ringo. 80, 80 years old, which makes us all feel old, doesn't it? Makes us all feel very old. Um, so let's pray, my friends. And, of course, we're praying for our friend Maria. I did get an email today. Someone said that they've been praying for her. Thank you for that uh, and asking for updates. I have not received any updates in the past week. So as you know, whenever I get them, I share them with you. But we continue to pray for this... Uh, beautiful young suffering uh, servant of the Lord in her, in her uh, condition, uh, suffering from the, that tumor on her brainstem. And we pray for that. And ask you please to pray. Again, I'm, we're, we're kind of up in the air right now with our transmitter. We're still transmitting at 1260 a.m. Again, thank you to all of every uh, beautiful, a couple of beautiful little notes today I received in the mail from people who, you know, contributed and had some ideas to share with me, and, and thank you for that. We appreciate that. Uh, but right now where we are is uh, we're still operating on a backup transmitter, kind of a Band-Aid. Um, it's going to cost us at least $38,000 to buy a brand-new transmitter for 1260 a.m., which we need. It's, it's not a question of whether we 
are going to or not. We have to buy it. Uh, we just need the funds, the cash to do that. So the Lord knows our needs, you know, and he knows what we need, and he knows the magnificent effects this radio station, 1260 AM, has had in the listening area uh, since we first went on the air in September of 2008. So we're going to be celebrating our 12th anniversary on the air on 1260 this coming September 15th, um, our 12th anniversary of Catholic Radio on 1260 AM in New Jersey, the first major uh, radio station, Catholic radio station in New Jersey. And we are very humbled by that, but we need to keep it on the air. And we need that new transmitter uh, with a price tag of 38000 at least 38000 a little more to install it and everything. So, But I give it to Jesus, you know. I go into the chapel here. I'm so blessed that I have Jesus here with me in the tabernacle, and I go in there and have nice conversations with him. And uh, he knows what our needs are, and he will take care of it. I believe that. Uh, I'm, I'm always waiting for the, how he's going to surprise me this time. <laughs> I've had many surprises in my uh, stewardship over this apostolate, so I'm waiting to see what kind of how he's going to surprise me with this $38,000 transmitter because I believe he will do it. All right, so let's begin, my brothers and sisters, as we begin all good things, and that, of course, is in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we're praying the prayer uh, that Holy Father Pope Francis composed for us to pray to our Blessed Mother uh, to protect us from the COVID-19 virus. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick, who, at the foot of the cross, were united with Jesus' suffering and persevered in your faith. You know our needs, and we know that you will provide, so that, as at Cana in Galilee, joy and celebration may return after this time of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the will of the Father and to do what Jesus tells us. For he took upon himself our suffering and burdened himself with our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. And we'll pray our prayer, my friends, to St. Michael the Archangel and also to Blessed Mother with this beautiful ancient prayer to her, the Subtum Presidium prayer. Holy Father Pope Francis asked us to pray these prayers every day, daily, almost two years ago. Uh, it'll be two years in August that he asks us to pray these prayers every single day with the specific intention of protecting the church from the attacks of the devil. And I'm going to add to that intention. Now, we'll pray for that, certainly. But let's pray also now to protect our country from the attacks of the devil. I think, and I believe, and I'm sure many of you do as well, that what we're seeing in our country with this pandemic with the social unrest, uh, with the racial divisions, with all that we're seeing, the violence and the anarchy, uh, that this is diabolical at its source. And so we have to realize that and recognize that, and we have to pray it out of here. We have to pray against it. We have the greatest weapons available to us in this spiritual battle the weapons of prayer and fasting. And as I'll get to after our prayer, I'll, I'll direct you again to that website 
that I mentioned yesterday. Let, let's pray the prayers first. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. St. Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, my friends, I thank you for praying, and uh, just encourage you, please, continue to pray together. As family, join us here at 4 o'clock. We start our time together in prayer. Uh, Bruce DeBacco is here every first and third Monday for his program at 3 o'clock on those first and third Mondays, uh, an hour of prayer. Uh, and I think that we now especially, we're going to start uh, running a prayer for our country regularly. I just haven't had the chance to record it. But we'll make that part of our daily broadcast schedule a few times during the, each day, to pray for the United States of America. I believe with all my heart that everything we're seeing now in this country, and, and I know people will say, you know, you're crazy, you're, you're, you're taking it to the extreme. I, I, I do not. I, I believe with all my heart we are seeing um, demonic and diabolical influences here in our country, around the world, even at times within our church. Uh, and we know the devil is hes on a rampage right now. He really is. And we have to acknowledge that. We can't pretend it's not happening. And, you know, Bishop Sheen, I, I don't have the quote in front of me. Let's see if I can Google it real quick. Um, uh, made a, a quote. Um, let's see if I can just real quick pull it up here. Just by my Googling it. <laughs> there you go. What do we ever do without Google search engines or those two? But uh, Archbishop Sheen, and I posted this on our website once, um, but Archbishop Sheen said this, who is going to save our church? 1972. By the way, I'm just seeing this. So here you go. This is very interesting. He made this quote at the shrine of Our Lady of Shenstahova in Doylestown, May 28, 1972. I didn't know that. I knew I knew of the quote, but I didn't know he made it at the shrine of uh, Shenstahova up in Doylestown within our listing area. But he asked the question. So this is almost 50 years ago. Who was going to save our church, Bishop Sheen asked. Not our bishops, not our priests and religious. He said, it's up to you, the people. You have the minds, the eyes, the ears to save the church. Your mission is to see that your priests act like priests, your bishops act like bishops, and your religious act 
like religious. Archbishop Sheen from the Shrine of Our Lady of Shenstohova in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, May 28, 1972. That was seven years before he died. But let's turn it around as if we're saying it, okay? So listen to these words again from Bishop Sheen as if we're speaking them. Who is going to save our church? Not our bishops, not our priests or religious. It's up to us, the people. We have the minds, the eyes, the ears to save the church. Our mission is to see that our priests act like priests, our bishops act like bishops, and our religious act like religious. My brothers and sisters, we are in a battle. We are in a very, very severe spiritual warfare. And those of you who know me know that I'm not into the dog and pony shows, so to speak. You know, my, my, my spirituality always leads me to the Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. I know that there are approved apparitions of Our Lady appearing in the course of our church history, and I believe that she has in, in those approved apparitions, Fatima, Lourdes, and, and the others. And I know there's a purpose and a reason that has been enormous and still is enormous fruit from those, especially Fatima. So I'm not minimizing that. Me personally, I am always drawn to the tabernacle, always drawn to the Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. And we have the most powerful weapons. We as lay people have the most powerful weapons in the prayer of the church, beginning with the holy sacrifice of the Mass, the sacraments, especially the Eucharist, sacramentals, especially the rosary, and other ways to do battle with the enemy. Satan is real. The devil is real. He exists. He's on a rampage right now. All you have to do is look around and see what's going on in our world, in our country, in our church. And as Bishop Sheen said almost 50 years ago, not far from where I am right now, uh, 25, 30 miles from here, up in Doylestown, and many of you I know know that shrine well and go there. I've been there many times. Beautiful shrine, Our Lady of Shenstohova. We had a couple of conferences there uh, 15 years or so ago when we brought Father Carapi over there. But Bishop Sheen stood in that beautiful shrine and said that we, the people of the church, we, the church, the people, the lay people, have the minds, the eyes, the ears to save our church. And our mission is to see that our priests act like priests, our bishops act like bishops, and our religious act like religious. Those are the words of Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, venerable Archbishop, I said saint, but one day, please God, but venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. We can't sit back. And don't you see that where we are right now because of this pandemic, everybody is confused. Yes, we're, we're able to go to Mass 
but it's not quite what we're used to. Unfortunately, the same liturgy, I mean, the Eucharist is confected and, and, and we have the real true presence of Christ in the Holy Communion, yes. And that's so important. But it is limited. Only a certain number of people can go. And even the, the way we receive varies from diocese to diocese. We have to wear the masks. We can't sing the hymns. So our, our worship, in a sense, is stifled. Our outward worship, I should say. Our outward worship is stifled compared to what we're used to. Our, our inner worship cannot be stifled by surgical masks or uh, limited seating, uh, or whoever you know, whoever else their their whatever what the other restrictions may be, our outward worship, yes, is is stifled in a sense and changed and and limited. But our in inner worship, our praise of God from our hearts, and our consuming Jesus in Holy Communion within our being, cannot be stifled. Now, there was an article that I found in—oh, um, by the way, well, I'll do it when I come back from break. Remind me. <laughs> Nobody else here but you, so just remind me. Just, just ask my guardian angels to tap me on the shoulder and remind me to talk about that Grace Force website. But I want to do—I do want to cover this because it was an article in um, Spirit Daily uh, from this weekend— by a gentleman named Peter Darcy on the what he said are the terrible effects of Eucharistic deprivation. Now, for how many months? What, three months or so? Most people were deprived of the Eucharist because we couldn't go to public Mass. Churches were closed, and there was no public Mass being said. There were, and I, I have to tell you, I was very blessed during those months because as you know, we have a chapel here where we're able to have the Blessed Sacrament reserved. And I was able to, uh, because Father Jason would come here to record his program, and he would say Mass for me. And I was able to receive every other week or so at that uh, uh, private Mass. But I, and how I missed him, you know, I, I used to go to daily Mass over here at the cathedral prior to all of this. I, I missed that. And I'm sure so many of you missed the opportunity to receive the Eucharist. And, you know, this article began with a quote I think most of you probably are familiar with. Padre Pio once remarked that the world could more readily exist without the sun than without the Eucharist. And, you know, I thought about this, you know, on, 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 on Holy Saturday— prior to the Easter Vigil. You know, from the time that the commemoration of our Lord's Passion concludes on uh, Good Friday, when the tabernacles are empty through the uh, Easter Vigil, there's, a, there's a, a void, I believe, in the world that day. I feel it because the Eucharist isn't present. And I think we've all felt this void 
again, now that public masses are being said again and, and you're able to go and receive, again, very limited uh, numbers of people, but hopefully, you know, you have been, uh, that we desperately need the Eucharist. And this article said, among other titles, St. Thomas Aquinas is known as the Eucharistic doctor because of his writings on the Church's greatest gift, the sacrament of the Lord's body, blood, soul, and divinity. St. Thomas Aquinas' prayer after communion states succinctly the potent effect of receiving the Eucharist. He asks that Holy Communion may be for him what he said is a helmet of faith and a shield of goodwill. And that it would, these are the words of Aquinas, purify me from evil ways and put an end to my passions. May it bring me charity and patience, humility and obedience, and growth in the power to do good. May it be my strong defense against all my enemies, visible and invisible, and the perfect calming of all my evil impulses, bodily and spiritual. And don't you know, and I believe, because it wasn't even limited to this country, my brothers and sisters, you know, the pandemic was a worldwide and is a worldwide event. And in the uh, heart of it, you know, when, it, when back in the spring, when it was just, um, you know, peaking all over the world, churches around the world were closing. The Eucharist basically was locked up people could not receive. And don't you believe, and I believe, that the devil was and is having a heyday because we did not have that regular access to the reception of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Our food for this journey, our, our, our greatest... Uh, opportunity to be united with Christ in a way like none other in this life. Now, thanks be to God, we are having public masses once again, and then churches are gradually opening again with limitations. We know that. And people, some people are still afraid. And I, I you know, again, I always say it's up to the individual, their, whatever his or her comfort level is regarding getting back out. If you're in those um, categories of, of vulnerability, you know, some are more vulnerable, the, the uh, elderly, the sickly, the, uh, those who have particular uh, physical conditions or medical conditions that make them more vulnerable to catching the virus and having a, a more severe effect as a result of it. But if you can, we have to regularly receive Jesus in the Eucharist. This is our greatest, our greatest uh, f strength that we can gain from Christ Himself, the real, true presence of Christ, in the reception of His body, blood, soul, and divinity. Um, this article goes on to, to state many other. You know, he talks about the Eucharist, what he called a Eucharistic lockdown. 
And if you go to the Spirit Daily website, the article is there, The Terrible Effects of Eucharistic Deprivation. Um, but if you stop and think and go back of where we were back in March and April when the churches were locked, and those churches that weren't locked, there still weren't masses being said. So there was no opportunity to receive. And today, yes, public masses are being said again in all the dioceses that we serve and in most uh, churches around the country and around the world, but again, very limited. But we should, if we can at all, take advantage of the opportunities that are presented to us to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. The devil was having a heyday, and still is, but having a heyday during the lockdown of the Eucharist. It wasn't just we who were locked in our houses and our places uh, where we couldn't get out. It was Jesus himself who was in the tabernacle and the churches themselves were locked and people did not have, didn't have access to him. And my fear is that many people, and I don't know what the numbers might be, but there might be people who will not come back, have been away long enough that, eh, why bother? You know, those who were nominal, perhaps, in their faith. and So we have to get back to the source and summit of our Christian life. That is the Eucharist. And that's how we begin to be fortified in this in preparation for the battle that is being waged right now. As I said, the devil is savagely attacking our country, our church, families, our institutions, each other. Uh, men and women are being incited to, to, to attack each other, to be so, uh, treat each other so vilely and violently. So we have to, we, the people, as Bishop Sheen said, it is we who are going to save, especially the church, to stand up and speak out and to live our vocation as disciples of Christ. Okay, let's take a break. When I come back, Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II, uh, Familiaris Consortio. Today, uh, the Holy Father's writing deals with the family within the mystery of the church. So stay where you are, my friends. There is more to come on Come to Me. America, what have you done for your marriage today? It's a good question. Boy, I gave a huge hug this morning, like a really big squeeze. I took the baby while she worked. I got up with the baby while he slept. Yeah. We've actually organized a date night tonight. I cooked my husband's favorite breakfast. Well, I've done today what I usually do, and that is obey. What have you done for your marriage today? Don't forget the small stuff. Need ideas? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Communication Campaign. 
Want to work a virtual miracle for your church or charity? Here's something so brilliant yet so simple and meaningful, you have to check it out. It's an internet site called GoodShop.com. GoodShop.com has created a way that lets you support any charity of your choice, and it costs you nothing. The good news is 700 of the largest internet retailers, stores you already visit online, have teamed up with GoodShop.com to give back a percentage of every purchase you make to your favorite cause. Before you buy anything online, go Go to GoodShop.com, select the charity you care about most, and then click over to your favorite store. Shop as you normally would, pay nothing extra, and a donation will be made to your favorite charity. It's that easy. Visit GoodShop.com today and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity, and a portion of your Internet purchase will be donated to Domestic Church Media and enable us to continue to bring you outstanding Catholic radio. That's GoodShop.com, and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity. GoodShop.com. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. We have to think the way God thinks. See? If I hate my brother, that's not how God thinks. If you lie or cheat, it's not how God is. If you have a hot temper, if you're proud, arrogant, if you find it hard to forgive and forget, it's not like God. What does that mean? It means you're not acting like God. You know, it's foolish to think that you're going to die and pop boom, right into heaven when you hate half the people there. <laughs> you know, you stay hell, you still hate your mother-in-law, you still hate, may she rest in peace, but you hope she doesn't. <laughs> All these people you don't even like. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Here is Mother Angelica speaking about Catholic Radio. There's six billion people, and we got to reach them all. It's people like you, radio stations like your own. And I hope sincerely that people will support you because we need Catholic Radio. We need Catholic television. And if we don't have it, we shall answer to God for that because we are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. We're bound by won't you help us spread the good word by praying for us and by making a tax-deductible gift payable to Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628, or by going to our website, wfjs.org, and making a secure online donation using your Visa or MasterCard. Please contact us today. God love you. We need Catholic Radio. We are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. From Doylestown to Dayton. Chalfont to Cherry Hill. Matawan to Manalapan. From Lakewood to Long Branch. Asbury Park to Adelphia. Morrisville to Marlboro. Proclaiming the joy of the gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Friday. Welcome back, my friends. Thank you for being here with me on this July 8th, 2020. And it feels like July outside, doesn't it? One of those typical July days where you know, waiting for the storms to come, muggy, middle of July. Um, and thank you for reminding me, by the way, of the. Uh, I want to bring this to your attention here before I. And I'm going to put it in front of me so I don't forget to mention it. But before I do that, um, again, my friends, 
we're here. We are July, and uh, thanks to all of you who are supporting us. And you know, we, every day—not every day—but we receive very often uh, nice notes or phone calls, messages, people who want to update their credit card information, those who are monthly donors. That's such a beautiful gesture, especially in these times, to say I want to keep giving because we need we need domestic church media here. We need to, our church needs to have a strong, vibrant voice in these times of, of uh, confusion, difficulty, division, anger. You know, we have to preach and proclaim the love of Jesus, right? And and just it warms my heart because you do that. Now, if you do call and you get the voicemail, please just leave a message so we can get back to you. Uh, and it may be a day or two, you know, where I'm here, my, my sister Janet comes in and volunteers and helps out uh, every now and then. Cheryl's here occasionally, but she has a full-time job, so she can't be here all the time. So it's very skeletal staff, so to speak. But um, we do the best we can to keep everything up and running. As I've said so often, you know, during this entire ordeal, domestic church media has not closed. We've been here for you. and We will, God willing, be here for you for many years to come. But we cannot be here without you. So please, maybe a special summertime gift, if you can do that, help us. As I said, we uh, are in desperate need of a brand-new transmitter here at 1260 AM uh, with a price tag of about $38,000. But I know the Lord will provide. I, I'm waiting to see how he's going to surprise me this time. So just keep those donations coming uh, in whatever way you can. And, you know, you know what you can and can't do. You know what's comfortable for you. But please, during these summer months, every year I say the same thing, and every year I mean it. These are the worst months of the year for us financially. This year might be a little different because everybody's routine and, and schedule is different. But we still need you, and we want these stations to be here. Just continue to be that 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 guiding light, you know, that, that lighthouse. to Everybody who sees that light, guiding them to safe harbor, the safe harbor of the heart of our Lord. That's what we want to do here. Now, uh, I mentioned yesterday, and, and I hope I didn't go too fast. I did get a, a couple of um, emails or calls, people who asked. There's a website called usgraceforce.com, letters U.S. for United States. U.S. Grace, the word grace, force, F-O-R-C-E, usgraceforce.com. Um and I think Doug Barry, who you remember from Life on the Rock, uh, Radix, he and a couple of priests have put together this website um, that they've developed what they're calling Let Freedom Ring, 40 Days to Freedom from the Devil. Began yesterday, July 7th, through the Feast of Our Lady's Assumption into Heaven, August 15th. And there's just a lot you can do. You, you can sign up to promise to pray and do these things that they're, they're, they're suggesting, suggesting, fasting and things during this time. We are in a battle. This is a war. It's a spiritual war that we are in. No joke. And it's, it's, it's not, you know, some little itsy-bitsy skirmish. It's a full-fledged, full-blown spiritual war that we're in. The devil is on a rampage, and the attacks against our church, 
the attacks against family, the attacks against our country are are so vile and, and, and violent, we need to do battle. We're in it. We are soldiers for Christ, aren't we? Uh, we are, as his disciples, we're here to fight the war, fight the battles spiritually. So go to the website, usgraceforce.com, usgraceforce.com. Check it out. There's all kinds of stuff there. Uh, It's got a whole bunch of information. But again, you can sign up. You can, as they say, enlist in the U.S. Grace Force with promises to do spiritual battle through prayer, fasting, and other ways that they list and suggest usgraceforce.com. I think it's very, very important, and we need to really acknowledge that we are in a war. My brothers and sisters, we are here. You know, domestic church media is here. We're now, you know, this all began officially incorporated uh, back in 2003. May 5th of 2003, we were officially incorporated as a and an existing organization. And the apostolate really began spiritually with me and the Lord speaking to my heart a year earlier in adoration. So we're not far. We're about into our 18th year. We're not far from our 20th anniversary in a couple of years. In that time, the Lord has greatly blessed us. I am always in awe of what God has done for and with and through this apostolate. Through no merit of my own, believe me, trust me, I I say that and I know that. I am just a mere weak instrument that the Lord uses. But as I was coming out of my midday prayer today out of the chapel, and I always think that, I mean, Jesus is here, the Blessed Sacrament is here. We have been so blessed that we can do what we do to keep these airwaves open, to proclaim out through our four radio stations and other media platforms, to proclaim the love of Jesus and the truth of Jesus Christ and his teachings. This is how the world can change. And that's why the devil is so angry. Because good people like you support us and help us to do this. This is why the devil hates what we do. He hates me, hates you, hates the apostolate. And he'd love to see us crumble. He'd love to see us not be able to get a new transmitter and, and broadcast in so wide an area here in uh, central New Jersey and southeastern Pennsylvania. That's what 1260 does. But I know the Lord will, will prevail. I, I know he'll take care of us. So anyway, usgraceforce.com. Now we're going to start running a uh, prayer here for our country uh, next week. And uh, it's a prayer that was actually used during the dedication of the National Basilica back in 1959, asking our Blessed Mother to protect our country. We're going to put that prayer on starting next week uh, and run it regularly each day, a few times each day, to just get people praying right through uh, the election. And I'm also having it uh, um, put on a, a postcard that we're going to give to you so you can pray. And I'll, I'll give you more information about that. Just it came to me in prayer the other day, and, and we're doing that, and it's important. That's why we're here. 
We're here to give a voice to the church <laughs> like no one else can. I mean, let's face it, in this area. So we want to do all that we can and uh, just do what is necessary to do battle against the enemy. All right, now let's go back to 1981. And our dear St. Pope John Paul II, after there was a, a, a synod on the family, and as is usually the case, the Holy Father at the end of that synod will release a, an apostolic exhortation based on the findings or the studies and the, what was done. Holy Father St. Pope John Paul in 1981 gave us a beautiful, a beautiful apostolic exhortation, Familiaris Consortio, on the family. It's one of the first things I ever read by John Paul way, way back in the beginning of my um, journey. You know, back in the early 90s when I was transitioning from my corporate life into where the Lord wanted me to be. This particular section of the uh, exhortation from John Paul, again, I'm skipping around, uh, you can read the whole thing just by going to the um, Vatican website and pulling up the John Paul II page and go to Apostolic Exhortations 1981, and you can read this yourself. But this is a section from it, section four, that John Paul titled Sharing in the Life and Mission of the Church. Again, it's on the family, the family within the mystery of the church. And this is why we have seen over the mo- you know, most recent couple of decades within the past decade especially, such a violent attack on the family. The church has defined, because it is the family, the basic cell of society. The attempts to redefine it, to invert it, to destroy it, have been countless For that very reason, because it is the basic cell of society. And John Paul said during his pontificate, as the family goes, so goes the world. So if the the enemy can destroy the family and break down the family and fracture the family, the rest of the world goes with it. So in 1981, John Paul wrote this, Among the fundamental tasks of the Christian family is its ecclesial task. The family is placed at the service of the building up of the kingdom of God in history by participating in the life and mission of the church. How many families, my friends, do we know that have left the church? I remember even when we were raising our, our, our kids. Now, our, our oldest son is, is 31 years old. Our youngest is 27, 20, you know, 28, 27. So we're talking, you know, 20 years ago. But I can remember when we sent our kids to our parish elementary school in the early 1990s, the classrooms were packed. They were full. Even the church, even mass on Sundays You'd see all the families with the kids. We'd all kind of greet each other on Sundays. We knew each other because our kids went to school and we were part of the parish. And Is that happening now? And especially as a result of this pandemic, we're just seeing the sheep have scattered. Right? And, and, and 
if families are no longer practicing or passing on their faith or building up the kingdom of God as is required as a fundamental task of the family, as John Paul said, what's to become of our church? John Paul said, in order to understand better the foundations, the contents, and the characteristics of this participation, that is, of the family and the life and mission of the church, we must examine the many profound bonds linking the church and the Christian family and establishing the family as a church in miniature. What do we call that? Let me hear. What do we call the church in miniature, the family? The domestic church. Ecclesia domestica. In such a way, John Paul wrote, that in its own way, the family is a living image and historical representation of the mystery of the church. Every home must become, as John Paul said, a church in miniature, a domestic church. That, out of you know, all that we have seen as a result of this pandemic, lockdown, shuttering, that type of thing, a, a great fruit of this, I believe, and see how God can bring about good even in the most trying situations, that every home has the opportunity now to become a little church. Remember back at Easter? Remember Easter Sunday? What a different Easter we had. Hmm? Everybody, because we were, we were in the, the, the peak of the, the pandemic, we were all home. Nobody went to Mass on Easter Sunday. Nobody even went out to celebrate with family. Most people, anyway, majority of people weren't supposed to. We were all in our homes, our little churches, our churches in miniature. And from what I hear, and I hear many uh, comments and feed, get great feedback from uh, people who say they're praying more as a family, they're they're doing more together as a family, whereas in the, in the you know the, uh, before the pandemic, you know you're off at practices, you're off at work, you're off here, but everybody is together. And in that way, maybe we're going back a little bit to that first century idea of these beautiful little churches in miniature. And that's how it began. John Paul wrote, "It is above all." The church as mother that gives birth to, educates, and builds up the Christian family by putting into effect in its regard the saving mission which she has received from her Lord. By proclaiming the word of God, the church reveals to the Christian family its true identity, what it is and should be according to the Lord's plan. By celebrating the sacraments, the church enriches and strengthens the Christian family with the grace of Christ for its sanctification to the glory of the Father by the continuous proclamation of the new commandment of love. The church encourages and guides the Christian family to, to the service of love so that it may imitate and relieve the same self-giving and sacrificial love that the Lord has for the entire human race. And our families today, my friends, you know, sadly... Uh, prior to the pandemic, have been gradually and, and little by little allowing themselves to stray 
from participation in weekly liturgies. Again, I, I can think back even when I was growing up, when it was even much stronger. I think when I was growing up, we probably had an 80% mass attendance rate <laughs> on weekends, right? About 80% of those who were considered themselves Catholic were going to mass regularly. 80%, can you believe? I looked it up in the 19, early 1960s. 80%. And you were, I remember our, our masses you know, growing up. Church was packed. Parking lot was packed. People got dressed up. And when I went to school and I was in grammar school in my early years, first, second, third grade, and we'd be in church, we had to go to Mass on Sunday. <laughs> Sister would come and look for us to see that we were there. Those things just don't happen anymore, sadly. I think that was a good thing. John Paul wrote, in turn, the Christian family is grafted into the, into the mystery of the church to such a degree as to become a sharer in its own way in the saving mission proper to the church. By virtue of the sacrament, Christian married couples and parents in their state and way of life have their own special gift among the people of God. For this reason... They not only receive the love of Christ and become a saved community, but they are also called upon to communicate Christ's love to their brethren, thus becoming a saving community. In this way, while the Christian family is a fruit and sign of the supernatural fecundity of the church, it stands as a symbol, witness, and participant of the church's motherhood. When we first began the apostolate, and we were thinking of what are we going to call our apostolate, and at the time, uh, Cheryl and I were newly wed in the sense that we were only married maybe let's see, five, six, eight years. We were beginning our family, and uh, we knew the importance of promoting the cause of marriage and the cause of family life, not in a way to uh, um, beat people into it, but just by witness. That this is it, you know. And we both came from from good families. We were, both of our parents remained married until they they passed away, and we had, you know, just a, a, a strong unit of family that we both came, from which we both came, and that we wanted to have, even in our own upbringing. And one of the things I miss most about this whole pandemic thing, I got to tell you, most of you do, I'm sure, are the family gatherings. You know, Cheryl and I love each other, and we have a wonderful time together. We 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 laugh a lot, and we, but it's just the two of us right now. And we, we sometimes say, you know, gee, we wish we could see our kids, especially our grandchildren. Oh, we miss them. We did see them, but you know, at a distance. Here we were. They came here to the station actually in the park. We have a big parking lot, and we kind of scattered about there. We, they brought the little tricycles, and they were chalking, uh, riding with chalk on this uh, pavement here, and. Uh, but you couldn't sit them on your lap, and you couldn't hold them, you couldn't hug them. Little faces covered up with masks, and it just, it just, this is a hard, hard thing. And family is so important to so many people. I know so many of you, especially too, where you just want to get together with your family because it is a church in miniature. It's like when you want to go. You, know, you want to go to Mass on Sunday and, and see and worship the Lord with your brothers and sisters in the Lord and, and be part of that community. And that's what our family is. And, and Holy Father John Paul, in his apostolic exhortation, 
said that we are called upon to communicate Christ's love to our brethren, just be, thus becoming a saving community. And the, the Christian family is a fruit and sign of the supernatural fecundity of the church, that the family stands as a witness and participant of the church's motherhood. To live that vocation is so important, but we're all fractured in the sense right now that we have to remain separated. Even if we can be together at a distance, it's just still not the same. And this is why I think people are thinking and feeling something isn't right. Something isn't right in the world. Something isn't right in our church. Something isn't right in our country. And the battle rages on. You know, it's just not what it should be, not what it could be, not what it was meant to be. We have to live this way right now. We have to bear with it, as the sisters used to say, maybe offer it up. It will get better. We will become, once again, what we, were, what we are called to be as a family unit. And we all long for those days. You know, I was thinking, here we are already, uh, middle of, beginning of July, and uh, it's going to sound silly, but Christmas isn't that far away. It's five and a half months away. <laughs> and are we still going to be this way at Christmas time? We had to go through our Easter being separated from family. Are we going to have to be separated at Thanksgiving and especially at Christmas? We have to pray this thing away, my friends. Battle rages on. Go to that website, usgraceforce.com, and check that out. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to have a Throwback Thursday program for you, I think. Maybe not. I'll see. We'll, <laughs> we'll determine that. But anyway, have a great rest of your day, my friends. Thank you so much for being with me and taking the time to share this hour with me. Uh, have a great rest of your night. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and God love you. <laughs>